Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Full disclosure, every time I press record, I'm really tempted to break out in a song. I don't, I don't know what that says about me, but I always want to sing at you. How do you feel about that? Should I start doing that? Should I just follow the gut instinct or is that too much? Let me know. Shoot me a DM. (laughs) I have an amazing episode for you today. And without a doubt, I know that this is going to speak into your life because I have heard approximately a million times someone ask the question, but Nicole, what do I do when I just don't? feel like it. I know I need to execute my healthy eating habits. I know I need to move my body. I just don't want to. What then? Or some variation of, I know protein is important for me, but I'm over it. I know I should eat vegetables, but I'm tired of eating vegetables. (laughs) Today's conversation is all about what the hell do you do when the basics, the non-negotiables, the most powerful habits that you can adopt feel boring as all get out. How the heck do you stay consistent? And why is consistency so freaking important anyway? We're diving into all those questions and more in today's podcast episode. I am giving you a sneak peek once again into one of our nutrition coaching with Nicole group coaching calls. I give my clients the best of the best. I want them to have all the tools and all the skills. And a part of that is bringing a guest speaker into our team every month to talk about a hot topic. And my friend Lisa came to talk to us all about consistency because she is an expert in the area and I didn't want you to miss out on some of the things that she had to say. For those of you who are tuning in today, I just want to give you a little background. So Lisa and I have actually been online friends for a couple of years, which sounds crazy, but I asked Lisa to join us today because over those past several years, Lisa has been one of the most consistent faces and consistent people that I have had the pleasure of meeting on Instagram. And so I wanted her to come speak to us about how we can consistently show up even when those basic healthy eating habits feel really boring, because I know this is something that she teaches her clients, but it's also something she practices herself. So Lisa, give us a little, uh, a little background. How did you get into nutrition coaching? For sure. Um, yeah, so I um, started uh, or my university degree was in exercise science and nutrition. I was pr- always pretty active and so on, but fitness was my main interest at first. And then as I started coaching my first clients, I was kind of like, oh, well, people don't really make too much progress if they're not addressing both at the same time. And so kind of shifted into a hybrid approach and then actually enjoyed the nutrition aspect more and more. So kind of what Nicole is doing as well, like more 
more digging deeper into the mindset and habit uh, kind of creation because as we all know if we don't address that we can have the best possible plan but if that's not if we're not um, addressing the underlying things then nothing's ever going to stick Absolutely. Yes. This squad knows that mindset is equally as important as all of the tangible action steps that we're doing. Yes. Lisa, I would love just to get your perspective on this. And I know this is kind of like a, a tricky question, but how important have you found in your life and in your clients' lives? How important is consistency when it comes to actual goal attainment? Yeah, I mean, they say, um, how does that saying uh, go? Like, consistency beats perfection. And um, I mean, I'm going to agree with that 100% pretty much all of the time. Um, not just seeing, looking at my clients, but also looking at my own, let's take my my business journey as an example, or as you were saying, like um, with, with regards to growing a business or so, you know, in the beginning you might start and you're like, oh, well, why am I even doing this? Like two people are following me or I'm, I'm only quote unquote, only two people. But I mean, um, in the end, if you just keep going, you keep going, you keep going, um, people are going to start noticing who you are, what you do, and the same applies to anything, you know, working out hardcore uh, once every two weeks is not going to do much. But if every second or third day you do 20 minutes, that's going to um, accumulate to much, much more in a much healthier way too, actually. Why is it that we have such a hard time, in your opinion, wrapping our brains around that? So we, so often I encounter responses that sound something like, but 20 minutes, that's not enough. Like I'm not, I'm not doing enough. It doesn't feel big enough. It doesn't feel accomplishing (laughs) enough when what we really need are those small increments just more often instead of waiting until we have enough time to do like the full shebang or a full food prep or a a big workout. Why is that so freaking hard for us to wrap our brain? I think there's like a couple of uh, layers to that. The first one is I think that we have like socially been so conditioned to striving for those um, extremes where we basically, you know, you're like, oh, you always need to do more and you always need to work harder. And am I doing enough? And, you know, like it's, it's always like more is better or you know less food is always better those kind of things um but then the other part to that being like we like of course instant gratification instant results and so like if we do something extreme of course like two days later or like if if i cut my calories down to 1000 and then um two days later i'm gonna feel super hungry and obviously like my bloating might have gone down or whatever so i think like oh yes that this is working (laughs) whereas if you just go into like a 100 or 200 calorie deficit and you make small changes you might not notice or most of the time actually you don't notice anything for probably a week, two months, two, who knows? But then after a while, you start noticing your clothes are fitting looser, etc. But yeah, that's not what we're, we've been trimmed. Of course, we were like, okay, I'm doing something right now. I've been on a diet for a day and a half. Why am I not shredded yet? <laughs> Please. <laughs> so yeah. I completely resonate with that. I think it's just, it doesn't feel impressive enough. And we're yes. constantly bombarded. You see this all the time with messages online about like, but look at what this person did in 14 days and look at this before and after photo. And it makes it too easy for us to compare our slower, sustainable progress to that quick ultimately fleeting progress what i would what i would always like to see in those instances is like 
not not uh, before and 14 day later pictures and then like a 14 day after the 14 day after picture basically when she's probably yo-yoed way back to the beginning or you know worse yes, <laughs> but yes. Nobody or really like a 14 that. month after like yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa in in your professional opinion what are some of the the core basic habits that people do well to master when they're wanting to create change in their health and in their body composition? Like what are the cornerstones that you teach? Um, so, I mean, uh, first of all, and this might not necessarily come um, expected from like a nutrition coach, but I think first of all, bedtime routine, morning routine, two things, which probably most people are like, okay, what does this have to do with my nutrition? But I mean, getting insufficient amount of sleep, most of us will have experienced that that raises our cravings. And then um, we're just crankier, our performance is down, we're eating different kinds of things and so on. So that actually, and you like your morning or your day, your energy throughout the day starts in the evening. So setting that kind of up, making sure we're going to bed at a reasonable amount of time, a reasonable time, making sure we're getting up at a good time too, especially if we want to get a lot uh, enough done, not hitting snooze 10,000 times and then like dragging into the day, starting the day with caffeine and so on. And instead making the most out of your day early on already getting the important self-work done right away because that's when you know we can we have the most amount of energy uh, we have the most amount of clear clarity um kids might still be asleep uh, nobody's really going to bother us if we want to work out at 5 or 6 a.m it's not like you oh 5 p.m and you're like, oh crap my boss still wanted this and that and so on so that's i think that's usually um the first cornerstone and then of course um kind of food quality um what in saying that i mean um nicole you you know this and i know that you preach this as well but like moderation uh, i am a big fan of that but nonetheless um even if i don't necessarily say anything is off limits or you know treat yourself to like a glass of wine here and there or a little bit of a, a piece of a brownie or whatever but we do want to make sure that like 80 or 90 percent of our food is whole food based um that would probably be the second part. And um, among that, then still, like, um, I, contrary to you, I do um, practice macro tracking or start with macro tracking with most of my clients anyway. Um, and so I still think um, your approach is very similar in the sense of protein, carbs, fats being balanced, and um, whether you track macros or not, but kind of making sure, because I think most people tend to gravitate to higher carbs, higher fats, not enough protein just from eating more processed things. So like those three cornerstones, mornings, food quality, protein, carbon, fat distribution. And then the last one being just some kind of activity. So, um, you know, uh, in, in, in ideally would be a combination of a little bit of resistance training and walking, in my opinion. I think walking has such a great benefit because it can also be a form of meditation. Like if you say, I don't have time to meditate or I don't really like journaling or I don't really, you know, whatever it, it might be like that, that classical self-development or self self-care work is not necessarily for everybody. So I think walking can be a really great way um, to incorporate that while getting some outside time and just fresh air. And so that's kind of what I usually, those four cornerstones are usually the things that I start with. 
I love those cornerstones and would definitely affirm all of them. I'm really curious, Lisa, what you would say to, so as someone who has an exercise fizz background and is very knowledgeable and passionate about nutrition, where, what's more important, where would you have someone start if they currently weren't physically active and didn't have a balanced relationship with food? Is there one that's more important than another? You mean um, food versus um, the exercise? Yes. Ooh, um, well, I mean, the great thing is that both of them are what they call keystone habits, as you, you might have heard the term. So usually when people start focusing on one, then they kind of want to address the other. So when they start enjoying the physical, physical activity, they're like, well, I kind of want to support this now by eating a little bit better. Or you might eat a little bit better and think, okay... I have so much more energy. How can I use this? So that's, I mean, that's the great aspect of it. Um, and I would say, I would say though that nutrition, I mean, as a current nutrition coach, I am kind of, kind of tending more towards that basis. And also just alone from the fact that it is so incredibly easy to eat 500 calories. Um, but it's also incredibly hard to burn 500 calories with activity. Like we think, oh, my Apple watch or my, my Fitbit or whatever tells me uh, in my 40 minute workout, I just burned a thousand calories. Very unlikely. <laughs> we we, we got to know that this is um, a little bit misleading um, for one, but then, you know, if you have your cheat meal or you don't pay attention to nutrition, it's so, so easy to um, out eat what you have already done. So I would say nutrition over exercise, but yeah, thank Thankfully, they often go a little bit hand in hand. Everybody here knows that I have said something extremely similar to that. <laughs> One thing I want to pick your brain on, and this wasn't on my list of initial questions, but as someone who moves around a lot, I'm assuming that your access to fitness equipment changes quite a bit. And one yes. of the things that sometimes I think serves as a barrier to us doing something rather than like waiting for the ideal scenario is, well, I don't have access to a full gym or I'm too intimidated to go to a gym. I don't have anything at home. I, I can't work out. And you mentioned walking, which is kind of what sparked my brain. How do you get something in, even if you don't have the ideal fitness equipment available? Is walking yeah. enough? Is that a great place to start? Like, how do you feel about at home workouts where we're just using what we have available? Definitely. I mean, I, I do think walking is a great start. And I mean, of course, if you explore a new location, that is also a, a, a great because you can, uh, you know, walk around and see th some things that you don't normally notice when you're driving. Um, but I'm definitely also an advocate for just bodyweight workouts when, when it comes to it. And I mean, you can make a bodyweight workout so challenging. Like, I mean, people underestimate that. Yes, um, granted, they are a little bit more boring, in my opinion. Like, I'll totally 100% admit that, especially after, um, like, or throughout the lockdown last year, you know, weeks and weeks of just home workouts. At some point, you're like, come on, can I just use some gym equipment or do have, like, an actual class with other people, please? Um, but, um, you know, sometimes it's just making do with what you have. And 
like even when I'm really, uh, let's say stuck for, for motivation, or I don't know, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do another bodyweight workout on my own. I think it's as easy sometimes as jumping on YouTube, typing in 20 minute bodyweight workout, and you just follow along. And in the end, you might not have gotten on the best sweat ever. You might not really have a great pump or whatever, but you're almost always, or basically always going to feel better afterwards, because at least you feel accomplished. You overcame your little hurdle and you've built your own um like believe in yourself because you said you were going to do it so you know in the end you at least you followed through even if it wasn't the best workout so true and i can definitely relate to what you said about working out at home i love an at-home workout because i'm one of those like anti-social people where i don't want to work out around other people <laughs> i love being by myself in a gym i'm just kidding i know but i work working out at home for the past year and just recently after our move we got access to a gym again and it was like a kid in a candy store it was like oh my gosh i have so much I can play with, like, there's so many toys. But that being said, my at-home workouts were sufficing just fine for the past year. So I think what we're saying is use what you have, do what you can, keep it very simple and consistent, and don't get caught up in the minutia. Exactly. Now, Lisa, you did allude to when you don't have motivation, sometimes you'll search for some extrinsic motivation by way of a YouTube video. One thing I wanted to ask you is how the heck do you stay so consistent? Because you're constantly posting pictures of your goal supportive meals that look so delicious, by the way, but also some easy exercises and workouts that you do no matter where you are geographically. How do you stay on top of your habits? What are your secrets? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of motivation, I mean, you, you kind of said it, um, I, I try not to rely on the uh, motivation and rather, um, just build it as a habit over time. And, and that, that building is of course the hardest part. And once it has become a habit, then it almost feels strange not to work out. That's I think part of it, making things like super easy and like incorporating them with other things. So for example, like driving from, from a work location and um, home, it should almost feel automate, uh, automated to pass by the gym. Like if you don't pass by the gym, th that kind of thing, or having some kind of accountability is big, even for me. So for me, um, my clients and my social media is actually my way of holding myself accountable because I'm like, Oh, okay. If I don't post like my workout for three days, people are going to know. <laughs> and I mean, uh, that doesn't mean that everyone has to have a freaking social media account on the contrary, but you know, having some kind of accountability system, whether that that's someone's partner, whether that is a group of friends or, or having a coach who is going to say like, mm, what happened there? You said you were going to work out at at least three times a week. Um, so, I mean, um, yeah, making, not relying on, on motivation for that because that's, it's gonna, it's fleeting one way or another. If we're, if we're stressed, if um, things get crazy, if life happens, motivation is not going to be there. And then of course, yeah, the accountability part, I think those two things are really important. And I mean, the accountability part, whether, and that that's kind of the same as saying like community. Uh, yeah. In, in, in essence. And I think find what works for you. So I love that exactly. you use Instagram as your source of accountability because you know you have this community, like paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah. We actually have three rock stars, none of whom are here today. And they all send me their sweaty selfies after they've completed their workout because they just need someone to know that 
Hey, I've, I did this thing and it, that's definitely all the, definitely like finding what works for you, but then also of course, still, um, trying to find the thing that you enjoy the most. So, I mean, just because somebody says, um, strength training, like a bodybuilder or whatever in the 10 to 20 rep range, blah, blah, blah. It's technically the most beneficial thing, blah, blah, yada, yada. But you love going cycling and you love, um, I don't know, joining a boot camp every now and then, then, okay, that, that mental enjoyment factor is going to hold you so much more accountable or is going to make it so much easier to, to be a habit than just because technically, according to science or whatever, this is the most more beneficial way. And of course the same goes for nutrition, just because something is technically healthier um, doesn't necessarily mean that just because the other thing that's slightly less unhealthy um, is going to be not um, advantageous for your habits. Realistic is better than optimal. Exactly. hundred percent. Lisa, I'm curious, what are some of the biggest barriers that your clients face when trying to be consistent? Like, what are some of the things that just stand in the way? Um, well, uh, first of all, I guess, um, social events. So like saying, okay, I still want to join my group of friends, but we always meet for pizza night or saying, um, well, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, we always go to different restaurants and, you know, we share, we, we have shared meals in the middle of the table and nobody likes vegetables. So what do I do about that? Those kind of things. Or, um, I mean, and that kind of goes hand in hand is like, especially at this time of the year, it was um, vacations. And then the other thing being holidays. So what I find is like, if people can string together several weeks of doing something successful, that's when they can keep the motivation going the easiest and so on. But then if there's always challenges that make it, that pull them out of the habits, and um, that's what our, what usually is the biggest barrier, I guess. And um, so, I mean, there are normally a few strategies that we use there. So, uh, because I do want to encourage people to like keep going with that. Oftentimes they ask, oh, should I maybe start coaching in two months time when I've come back from my holiday or, or whatever? But then it's like, well, are you going to go on, on vacation in the future after this diet? Uh, yes. Well, do you want to know how to navigate the vacation in the future, uh, yes. <laughs> so then we should probably, you know, continue coaching or trying to practice what we're working on right now throughout that vacation too. So, um, I mean, uh, this whole thing should be sustainable. It should be a lifestyle anyway. And because of that, like learning to navigate those things in moderation, learning to say no, which is actually so difficult for a lot of people. And I'll include myself in that too, because we are people pleasers. Most of us, we are, you know, we, we always want to do it right. We don't want to be impolite. We want to fit in. So being the odd one out, if you're the first one starting the nutrition journey out of your friends of group, group of friends or in your family, that can be really, really overwhelming and, and scary for most people. So um, yeah, but learning to say no is a, is a big one. Uh, learning to, um, I guess, stick with your boundaries and, and so on. But also, again, finding that moderation in between, in between and giving being uh, having grace for yourself because Again, we don't want to aim for perfect. If you think that on uh, your vacation, you're always going to stick to, I don't know, just whole foods and um, you will always wake up at 5 or 6 a.m. just because that's what we try to do during the week. Uh, otherwise, yes, that's that's not going to work. <laughs> so be realistic. <laughs> 
This is something that actually I was just talking about with a client and we were talking about how shooting for 100% compliance feels really nice. It feels like we've reached the goal, but we all know that 100% compliance is unattainable because we're not robots. So how do you help your clients to navigate shooting for a realistic goal so that when they do have a cocktail or when they do have some cake or when they do have something that's maybe less whole food oriented and just more like pleasure oriented, that that feels okay. And like part of the plan versus I failed or I fell off the wagon. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you, you said it exactly. You said part of the plan. So I try to get them to plan ahead for it. And well, I mean, that, that's a barrier in itself because people often think like planning ahead, that's more time needed in advance. And I don't have that time. I'm so busy, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to do it as I go. And I have no idea what's going to happen. But that little bit of foresight, first of all, it gives us a sense of control. It gives us a sense of, you know, knowing what's what come what's coming and 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 of course um adjusting some of the things around it. Uh, for example, if you know you're gonna have a bigger dinner, you know, maybe balancing it out with a little bit of a lighter lunch or it's just it, that is exactly that moderation that is so important and so i do try to encourage people to like either um create their own plan or to reach out for help if they need it um when looking ahead so kind of saying okay you said to me you're gonna go to a birthday party on friday so do you know what there what you'll have for food there is it gonna be a buffet is it at a restaurant maybe you want to send me the link if you don't know what you'll have um are you going to be drinking? And then sometimes they're like, oh, no, 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 I won't drink. I, I'll probably not even eat anything I'll eat beforehand. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, I don't think that's going to work. You're probably otherwise going to get there and you would have had food beforehand and then you're going to eat there and drink something. Let's not do that. <laughs> instead, let's kind of like make it something that you would normally do. Maybe you can, instead of drinking half a bottle of wine, maybe you can limit it to like one or two glasses this time. Is that possible? Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think that's, that's a really important part, part of it. The planning aspect for sure. Yes. Yeah, so being proactive rather than just yes. reacting to the situation. Cause usually when we're in the heat of the moment, we're very influenced by what's around us, which exactly. is typically copious amounts of food and beverage. Yes. Yes. And then by the end of the night, we forget, we forgot that we had like a little bite here and a little dish there. And then we had a glass here and we don't even like, yeah, we have no, no, no boundary really. Whereas if we say, okay, I'm going to do two drinks. This is good. I'm going to have a little bit of a salad and two slices of pizza. I can, you know, you feel like you're part of it, but at the same time, you, you're not so tempted to always keep saying yes, yes, yes. I love that. Lisa, I'd love to kind of point us in a slightly different direction, but you were talking about macronutrients earlier, and we definitely talk about how to balance our proteins, our carbohydrates, our fats, and fiber, making sure we're getting that as well. What do you do when things start to feel stale or monotonous? Like, okay, I'm so tired of chicken breast, but I know I have to reach my protein goal, or I hate <laughs> eating the same vegetable every day for the entire week, but I know I have to get my fiber. How do you kind of keep things enjoyable? Yeah, I mean that's that's such a good question because I feel like this is um 
super individual too. Like some people love eating like pretty much the same thing on a day-to-day basis, or like at least during the week, they they don't mind eating the same thing every single day. And I'm a, I'm a creature of habit too. I'll include myself in, in, in there. So I don't mind having the two or three different breakfast options all the time, but I know other people need a lot more variety and variation. And so trying to kind of gauge what kind of personality that that person has. And most of the time, um, you know who you are. So you'll say like, oh, I get bored of stuff very easily. Um, And in that case, it really just comes down to having a good or like making sure you can include a good amount of variety so that you don't get bored of what you're doing. Um, Again, being proactive. So basically, okay, maybe instead of just having chicken breast all the time, can we prep this week um, three different kinds of protein sources and then you can play mix and match or maybe you can try a different uh, recipe every single week uh, during the week when you have more time um, and maybe going out for dinner at least once a week maybe twice so that you don't feel you you're getting so bored of everything um, like I think that's a again being proactive that's a really big part and like you said, making eating out part of the plan. Like, hey, well, yes. where do we want to go? What am I really in the mood for? And how can I schedule that dinner date or my exactly? Girls right yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of people initially think like, oh, scheduling um, everything that sounds so boring. But in my opinion, um, or from my experience as well, structure and planning creates freedom. And like, that's, that's kind of hard to get into our minds because like mm, structure, it sounds restrictive, but it, first of all, it saves time. And then in the end, it, it creates time and space for uh, the things we want to eat, the things we want to do. And, and, you know, just, just actually becoming that person that you want to be, as opposed to just being reactive and like dealing with what you're given. So you almost get more time to be spontaneous and live in the moment because you plan, which sounds counterintuitive. Yes, Yes, absolutely. It doesn't sound right, but it is right. Yes. I've never thought about it that way before, but I always... I always think about how planning ahead is a huge time saver. So it does make sense. For sure. Opening up more space in your life to enjoy what you want to, because you're not having to prep in real time or make something every day because you've already laid it all out. Yeah. I mean, it prevents, it prevents decision fatigue. That's basically what it comes down to in my opinion and decision fatigue, I guess that would be another incredibly huge barrier when we're uh, like talking about um, coming or falling, falling off of the track or whatever, falling off the wagon, because um, again, you get to the end of the day or you get to the afternoon and that's where most people crack. You're just, you have made so many decisions in your day already. Like, I don't know, they put a ridiculous number on how many decisions each, each one of us has to make every single day but um i always i try to like explain it to people with like you basically have a a bucket of decision making capability for your day and if you waste this bucket a early on and b on the stupid stuff like oh what should i wear right now or what should i eat 500 times like oh for every single meal and oh what should i what should i do here here and there what route should i take to work like this is all tiny decisions but they add up if you create those habits around it you don't need to think anymore you just do and you save your decision making capabilities for later on in the day and it's not just a decision making capability it's also like that willpower where we're always like oh i'm lacking willpower or i'm 
oh, I was so weak. I gave out. It, it has nothing to do with you or your capabilities. Like we're all incredibly strong uh, women or people and, and so on. You're, you're not a failure if you are giving into that at some point or giving into temptation, but you have simply run out of willpower or <laughs> self-discipline or whatever you want to call it because you have made so many other decisions in the day or stressors or whatever that have basically drained your previously. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I think all of us who are here can understand that typically when we feel like we're less mindful and more impulsive is usually at the end of the day mm -hmm. or sometimes at the end of a week, like I did so well throughout the work week and then the weekend's like free for all. Yes. I feel like we need a break. Yes, <laughs> 100%. I'm going to drop Lisa's Instagram profile in the oh, chat cool. box because you need to make sure you're following her. She's posting really delicious recipes, also shares a lot of her workouts, as she alluded to earlier. And you will quickly see, as I have been able to watch over the past several years, that she is just so consistent and in large part due to the, the tips and tricks that she shared with us today. Oh, so, Lisa... I want to say thank you for sharing your expertise with us. It's been a pleasure. I've loved connecting with you again after all uh, this time. And I hope you got something out of the conversation. And I just enjoyed being here, being part of it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.